Syria Ah fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Marco and Tad, bringing week two in Serie A action for you guys. But it was not the the biggest sporting event of the weekend. Mayweather and McGregor in the books, guys. Did you watch it? Of course, it was the greatest hype train of all time. You have to watch it. But uh, I did have my own personal protest that I, I didn't pay money to watch it. I uh, didn't didn't pay twenty dollars to go into a bar and watch it or you know pay, get the fight for a hundred dollars on pay per view, so I watched it on YouTube and uh, yeah, I saw it. Marco, it's decent. I mean, definitely entertaining to watch uh, this guy go in, you know, in a sport that he's not as familiar as you know going up against the the undefeated champ and you know essentially getting waxed out at the end. I love how Mayweather, you know, in his in his speech after the match, you know, I read a lot of things about him being a class act and you know really giving uh, McGregor his his due credit, but realistically, Mayweather was just hyping himself. Yeah, it was part part of the plan. We knew, we knew and then I was going to go in. I told everybody I was going to go in. Yeah, yeah. It's like Man, these people don't know how to not hype themselves. That's the sport. I uh, definitely paid for the ambiance. I went to a bar and watched it uh, out in Virginia, and it was worth the money. Just electric crowd, a a lot of fun watching the fights, uh, a really good time. Um, But I saw nothing but Serie A fans, guys. I saw McGregor strutting in like he'd he'd seen the infamous Bailacomil Papu. And then Mayweather actually wore a mask to this one, like, actually wearing it made me think of Dabala. So In, instead of being a farce of a dance song now, Pilo Kumu Papu is permeating all walks of life. Apparently gets you pumped up for a fight. It would it would for me. I would come out to it. That's that's not a bad idea. McGregor did say at the in his like uh interview after the fight that he felt like he lost a match. He felt like he lost a match. Yeah. Not a fight. I lost a match. Yep. Definitely an interesting fight. Uh, Definitely half MMA, half boxing. So uh, glad I watched it, but uh, time to move on to real boxing. Looking forward to Canelo and GGG in a few weeks. But we did learn a very great personal insight for Chris, as nothing hypes him to fight somebody than a three-foot-seven Argentinian soccer player. Or his song, at least his song for sure. That's uh, That always gets me going. So check that out on YouTube, guys. Back to soccer, guys. Last week we had Champions League draws and Europa draws. What did you guys think of it? Man, as a as a Roma fan, uh, just looking at the draw, I'm just like, why, why, why is it ever? It can ever be easy. And uh, you know, this time around we get a Chelsea that kind of has a chip on its shoulder, an Atletico that always seems to do well, and then a team that just has a kind of an awesome name and is in the middle of nowhere kazakhstan in fc Korbag, fk Korbag actually yeah, they can't even be fc the azerbaijan school for wizards it's hogwarts east Korbag. yeah i mean 
We got a little bit of a payback, though, with Totti drawing uh, Barcelona for Juventus and then basically laughing in Buffon's face. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Roma. We're always going to get a super tough draw. I mean, we just have to be miserable at all times, and we're going to go ahead and play against two of the biggest clubs in the world. But, you know, maybe take some notes on Atletico. I could see that being the kind of team that Roma, you know, would maybe one day grow up to be. Yeah. Unfor- I mean, something to look forward to, I guess. Uh, but... It, it, when when you look at the the Napoli draw, I think that's the one you really get excited as as a Serie A fan. You know, taking away all biases, obviously on our part, um, because although they they drew Man City, you feel like that's a real chance for Napoli to show what they're made of and potentially win the group and and show uh, everybody that Serie A is back. And we've been saying that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that uh, Napoli. You guys were talking about hype trains before for uh, boxing. I mean, Napoli, absolutely one of the best teams I think in Europe, at least during the summer. People were looking forward to watching them. And so uh, they're playing in Group F. They've got Feyenoord, Manchester City, and Shakhtar. Shakhtar. Um, not a bad group for them, I feel. Uh, Juventus in Group D got Barca. That's always tough. But they also have Olympiacos and Sporting CP. So that shouldn't be a problem for them. And I feel like Roma, we've already talked about it. Chelsea, Atletico, and Quarabag, that's, that's a tough group. So. Yeah. It'd be nice to see Napoli just like wax out somebody in that. I, I'm hoping for it. I think they're the biggest uh, uh, potential, biggest surprise in the, in the tournament. Um, Tad, you're a little bit angry about the Europa League. Yeah, man. So Atalanta. I mean, as we talk about Baila Como Papa for the fifteen thousandth time, and you know, and tell people to check it out on YouTube. I've really taken that team near and dear to my heart. I really wanted Roma to get either Kessie. Or Conti, it's awesome that they both stay in the league. Even if they, you know, they went to a rival of Roma like Milan, they're, they're going to be built on these young players that that want to stay in the Serie A. And so I really thought that you know them finishing highest, you know, the, 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 because of the coefficient that they don't get the best pot as Milan or OTFR, just basically based on the pedigree of those clubs. And I think it really just does a disservice for Atalanta. I get that like they're trying to protect. Uh, the the tournament from these you know these smaller teams that'll come in like Atalanta's done in the past and sell off their entire team and they just get waxed out and the, you know the, the, the tournament's askew but it just rubs me wrong you know with uh, Atalanta this time because they you know they have they have an extremely difficult draw with Lyon and uh, Everton they get you know two teams that are t- you know top finishers um, in you know some of the best leagues in Europe so. I really think it's a tough draw for them. I think that I think that you know they earned it on the field last year, finishing fourth in what would be a Champions League play-in. Now, I think they earned the right to have a little bit better draw than than OTFR Milan, who didn't even really want to be in the tournament at the end of the year. I mean, they fell in because because Fiorentina was trash and Inter ran the other way, you know, trying to only play in uh, in, in the Serie A this year. On the bright side, though. It's Europa League, and when you get big draws like that, it makes things interesting. It makes the Europa League uh, a little bit more prestigious. You know what I mean? Like, it, for me, it would have been worse if Atalanta would have been in a group with, you know, some teams that you can't even pronounce, and that you know the win means nothing, but the loss means everything. You know what I mean? So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Europa always uh, fun to have some interesting team names in there. My favorite is in Group F, a team named Sheriff, and they have a Sheriff badge as their as their symbol. Uh, just I, I read up on them a little bit. They were formed by like a police group, and now they're in the cha- in the Europa League. So Damn, that's a stat right there. Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, the other groups, you're right, Ted. Atalanta's got a tough one with Group B. They've got Everton, Lyon, and Apollon is in uh, Group F. Group D is Milan. They've got Austria, Vienne, Rijeka, and AEK, Athens. And then finally, we've got in Group K, OTFR has Nice, Zuf, Warhagam, and Vitesse. I apologize to all these team fans. Uh, definitely not saying them right. I think he did it perfectly. He's, yeah. that's, that sounded legit to I'm me. I'm biting my tongue. I, I liked it last year, and Marco did it, and he just like read some team's name with an Italian accent. Like, Hapelbir yeah. Shabas. Yeah. One last thing I'm going to say on this before I let sleeping dogs lie in this one, but Milan, you know, they get the best draw out of everybody. They don't play another team from one of the top five teams in Europe. And this is a team that got in the tournament by having to win a play-in. So it's weird that the tournament is skewed enough to me that you you make it in to the group stages by winning a playoff, yet you're in pot one and get a much better draw than a team that finished fourth in the Serie A. Tad, that horse is dead already. All right, guys. So make somebody get the defibrillator. <laughs> so we've got uh, we're gonna move to our social media. We've got Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Twitter. You can find us. Uh, we also have an email account, fabiocurveamerica.com. You can find the podcast on asroma360.com. Where we ha- we're also on SoundCloud and iTunes. Tad? Oh, yeah. Get on iTunes, baby. The sexiest thing you can do is rate, comment, also subscribe, and share it with your friends. All right. So there we go, guys. There's social media. Let's jump into week two with the rundown. Juventus come from behind to avenge last year's loss to Genoa as Paolo Dybala let the world know that the Ballon d'Ors are in his future. Napoli and Inter turn it on late to keep pace at the top of the table while Roma get their big signing, finally. Suzo keeps Montella's men perfect after two matches. Belotti's wonder goal sends half of European team owners to the cash machine. They gonna pay that money. Fiorentina put up a Craigslist ad for a new coach but are still just asking for a friend. <laughs> And Crotone versus Verona puts us to sleep while Spal get their first Serie A victory in 49 years. Yeah. Hooray, Spal. Beer all over the pop filter. But you know what time it is, Tad and Chris. It's my turn to give the shameless plug for the local beer of the week. Because I got to buy this beer today. Tad was running a little late. So the shameless plug local beer of the week is that sweet nectar that is DC Brow public because everything is better in public so cheers boys cheers, cheers to that marco <laughs> that plug was so shameless it looks like it has hair grown out of it looks like ant legs stapled to your head that's it man i'm gonna join you marco i hope everyone can sit back relax enjoy the podcast all right here we go to the first five Up first, we've got Genoa and Juventus. This one finished 4-2 in Juve's favor. Igrifone looking to shock the world until Paolo Dybala decided, I don't think so, guys. Marco, what do you got? Yeah, well, Genoa starts the game in a wild fashion. There's a pinball own goal from Pjanic in literally the first 19 seconds of the game. Uh, And it's just a a crazy start and really uncharacteristic for Juventus, who's always, uh, you know, looking so fresh with their new yellow kits. Um, Those are nice. 
I like those. It even, even covers up that stupid J logo they switched to. That's right. And then, guys, it's another strike of the dreaded VAR. It's a PK conceded by Young Rugani, and it's finished off by newcomer Galibinov, officially my new favorite player's uh, name to say. And guys... I saw at the end of the game that Buffon was complaining and, uh, you know, he's basically saying it's no longer football. We're turning this game into water polo. But then he does say something that kind of made me smirk. He said last season we had three penalties in our favor. Uh, But if this carries on like this, we're going to have about 50 by the end of this one. It's like, yeah, Buffon, why does that happen? And then he said, I'm happy with that as a UWIT player, but it really ruins the entertainment factor. I agree with you, Buffon. And that's what I was saying last week, but... You know, now Buffon's saying it. Just hashtag most Italian thing ever. Instead of going to any other sport, he goes to the other sport that's popular in northern Italy, and that's water polo. (laughs) Like, anyway, it's just like water polo, and everyone's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, keep them toenails clipped. Well, after that, guys, it's it's really just a Dybala show. I mean, there's a reason why this guy was the Barca target looking to fill in the shoes of, of Neymar. I mean, this man can ball. And we said it last week. He's got that paintbrush of a left foot, il penello. Uh, back to the game, though. Guys, VAR comes in. Juve gets a PK after Super Mario slams the ball into Gentili's hand. And then Dybala gets his second goal after he really just slotted home uh, a nice little right-footed finish uh, to to get the game 2-1. So now the game's tied, and in the second half, Juventus just absolutely pressing Genoa. Uh, You knew this was going to happen. Cuadrado scores a beauty for the go-ahead. But guys, you know, the attention turns back to Dybala when he buries the Grifoni in the last minute, slots it near post. Very Messi-esque, that type of finish. Dybala, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I thought that you know, it was going to be Iguain and Icardi uh, that would you know, trade back and forth for the, the Capo Canonieri. I don't really think that, that Dzeko was going to be able to uh, to come through and you know probably throw Belotti in the mix. But Dybala's coming here with these finishes after putting on that number 10 shirt. I mean, this guy looks like nothing's going to stop him. He's playing with so much confidence. He's so good. You know, As Chris said in the rundown, man, Ballon d'Ors are in this guy's future. Yeah, uh, definitely put on a show in this one. Uh, Juve fans definitely got to be excited about what he did in this game. Um, I Are we talking about uh, Genoa later, guys? Because I think we got to say the crowd was amazing for this game. Absolutely, man. The, uh, the Ferraris, man, was just popping. And uh, really love that stadium. I really like how the, the, the fans on both ends have a little bit of running room to stampede after the goals. Well, not only is this one of the first, you know, it's the second game of the season for Genoa fans, and is this, I think this is their first home game. Uh, they have Juventus coming to town. You remember the last time they played Juventus was the last time Genoa really had anything going for them. Um, you know, they, they beat Juventus, they beat the six-time Scudetto champions, and then uh, uh, basically just crap out the rest of the year. And looking at this team and the, and the guys they, they've thrown out here, I mean, Paladino and Lapadula come on and have Bertolacci out there, but it's basically the same dudes. Even our near and dear, our heart, our favorite one, Riff Raff, Diego Lexalt. Is he going to stay there, you think? I, I hope so, man. If there's one thing Genoa needs, it's more cornrows. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you know, Chris, you deemed them the, uh, the giant killers last week before they just went into a giant free fall, you know? But this game, right? I mean, they opened up in the first 30 seconds. You got a misdirect shot, and uh, it goes in, and Genoa's up 
one nothing. I was I, after last season. I think you got at least got to let them dream that they can beat Juventus. Genoa at home, huge crowd, go up two zero by the eighth minute. But I'm just like, there's just there's just no way. And of course, Robin, you know, and Fat Man had a great game in this one. Just just turned it on, and just as the seconds were were ticking down, you could see just the Genoa fans, the general players. All just holding their breath. There's no way they're going to keep Juventus out from winning this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, the team going down, uh, you see some some more rumors here at the end of the transfer market of Spinazzola making it clear he wants to dip out of Atalanta. Howades from Schalke coming in as reinforcements. So, is that, I mean, is that Juve's only weakness this year? Because to be honest, like, I am generally just impressed by Rugani. I know he gave up a, a, a PK this time around, but he's super young and. I could see him potentially being the next Bonucci. Well, I mean, that's you just music to every Juventini's ears out there by you saying that. I mean, Rugani has a lot of pressure on his shoulders because he's coming in behind uh, Bonucci, who is such an incredible player and really started off that attack. Him leaving allows Pjanic, I think, to start doing that, but he has an own goal in this game. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff was talked about. Hey, Juventus, they they've lost a step. You know, they they lost Bonucci. They got waxed out in the in the Champions League final last year. You, you know, Allegri. You know, is Napoli just going to easily overtake them? I, I just think not so fast. You look at this team; they're super deep. Bernadeschi didn't play in this game. Douglas Costa didn't play in this game, and those are two of their biggest signings. You want to say, based on the performance of this game, where is where is Juventus's you know biggest weakness? Well, you'd have to say the midfield. Kadir and Pjanic didn't have great games, but Kadir and Pjanic will come out the next game and blow the doors off somebody. I mean, they're just too stacked. They're too deep. I think just without a doubt, the number one team in Syria, and they're they're going to be licking their chops for that seventh title. All right, so Juve continues to roll. I was hoping for Genoa, but didn't didn't last. Let's keep going, guys, to Milan and Cagliari. This one finished 2-1, Milan's favor. Suzo rips up Cagliari to get three more points for the ever-hot-streaking Milan. Well, going on the tip of Genoa, talking about rocking stadiums, guys, over 50,000 people at the San Siro for Cagliari to come to town. And Cagliari, I mean, as we'll find out when we talk about Atalanta later, they're baptized by fire with their first two games, with uh, uh, Atalanta having Roma and Napoli. Well, Cagliari has two away games at Juve, at the San Siro, sellout games, and, you know... Things are looking up. Yeah. Well, welcome, welcome back to the Serie A, guys. I hope you enjoyed that 10th place finish last year. Also, bye-bye, Borriello. Yes, and missing a, missing a huge piece in Borriello last week. I mean, last week, Cagliari looked lost. They got waxed easily by Juventus. You know, you're right. They miss Borriello and they miss the pit. Usually, something that uh, you know they can writhe and get get all turned up for a game. And you know, when you turn up at, at Juventus as Cagliari, first game of the season at Borriello, it's like turning up to a gunfight with a wet noodle. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone, including us, thought Cagliari was going to get a Manny, a Petty, and get a waxing at the San Siro this week. <laughs> but this week. I mean, Calgary, they they played really hard. They played like that team that finished uh, mid-table last year. They were more organized. They were aggressive. There was, you know, there weren't even really superhuman efforts, but they played fearlessly, you know, in a packed, noisy environment. I mean, their best performances for them were from Barela 
uh, who's really living up to expectations so far, and Joe Pedro, who knocked in a goal this week. But just like a smaller club must do away from home, they swarm the ball and capitalize on a Milan mistake. You know, they converting basically Ketting get jacked like a steroid injection and just calmly going around the horn in front of the goal for Joe Perro to you know, slide one in uh, uh, to bring Isardi level at one. So away at San Siro, 50,000 people at one point, this game is tied. They're going. They're going straight to the top. <laughs> well, it drove Rastelli enough, apparently, by their performance to say that after the game that the loss made them feel as though they won. I mean, that's... We're in that, good shape. Yeah, We're great. in good shape. All right, Calgary. <laughs> yeah, great winning mentality you want in a coach, you know. I mean, if that isn't the most ultimate participation trophy, we lost, but... We, we we won. It's a moral victory. Sportsmanship award. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we we we. Uh, it, it was it was a moral victory. You know, I feel like we really made them tired. They had to run around a bunch. But uh, however, it was all about Suso today. He was just way too much for them. After taking a beautiful long ball, he dropped that absolute dime to Catrone, who has another goal. Um, and it, you know, it basically. Cutrone scoring the goal and Suso giving it giving it to him gave us another full week of the no Cutrone to Catone hype machine. I mean, everybody they, they, they were talking about a loan at the beginning of the season. Now they just have to keep him on. Not only do they have to keep him on the team, they got to start him every week. This guy's. I mean, he's super impressive and uh, gotta love gotta love an Italian with the name Patrick. They sp- yeah. <laughs> but he's you know he's he's turning up. He's scoring a week in week out. He was showing up at the end of last season, so it's not just a fluke and. I mean, he's Milan through and through. If if I was Milan and I had a player like him and Locatelli, I would treat them like jewels, man. I would just like not. I would not get rid of them. I would keep them and and kind of follow the Barcelona model, right? Just keep them along because you know that the the fans they're in the fans' heart, and it's always a big win as soon as they have a good performance. He's definitely performing at this level already. It doesn't unless it's becoming a playing time issue. I don't see why you would send him down to someone like Crotone well, as much as they would love to have. You're him. not expect Patrick Crotone could not have been in Milan's plans yeah, at seriously. the beginning of the season. They just spent enough money that would get Floyd Mayweather to fight an MMA guy on their team. They have a starting 11 of signings and they get a 19-year-old kid who's going to come and rock this stuff and just calmly knocks it in. I mean, Suso's pass was incredible. Yeah. And Suso, speaking of him, his free kick, my left stroke just went viral for the win. Left-footed curler knocks him out. And, you know, Milan wins wins a, wins a scrappy one at home. Guys, Milan have managed six points, but these games have been over Crotone and Cagliari. Yeah, they had blowout Europe league qualifiers, but, uh, you know, I mean, that was basically against a team whose name looks like a Trump tweet. You know, how, uh, the, yeah, FC Kofefe, I think, is, is where they're from. Um, you know, how are you guys feeling about Milan so far? I'm with you. Uh, I'm still a little bit questionable on it because of the fact that they've played some weaker teams. But more than that, it's the, the fact that they have so many new players that I need to see the true test. So... That's uh, we'll see what happens as as the opponents get stronger. Um, obviously, they have good players. Yeah, but they get to work the kinks out here with the the no name teams or the lower name teams. Uh, I think that's good, and building momentum is a is a positive thing. I think that their confidence is soaring right now. That I wouldn't be surprised whoever the big team that they run into first, they're definitely going to compete strongly with them. Tell you what, those fans coming out. The way they are is is a good sign. Like fifty thousand. Doesn't man. matter who it is. If you're selling out stadiums, that means that 
your team has a certain confidence about it. Well, continuing our jersey watch, Calgary contributed to the Serie A jersey dominance across all leagues by adding the best sponsor in Italy. You guys see these? The Bira Iknusa as a sponsor on there. Iknusa, or as I like to call it, the official beer of pizza shops in Rome, owned by Sardinians, who I don't understand their accent. You always know you go in there and some guy is talking, and you're like, what the heck is this guy saying? You look in the fridge, it's Iknusa, and you're like, oh, it's a Sardo. You're not supposed <laughs> to understand what he's saying. But that's that great historic bottle that they have with the Sardinian flag that, you know, best. I guess every Sardinian must have at least four severed Moorish heads on it to make sure you know that that ish is from Sardinia. So they got the Iknusa in there. So I, I always go for it over the Peroni. Nice. I mean, I've never had an Ignusa. I'm Me sure, it's, I'm sure really? it's tasty. I don't know if it's as tasty as this DC bra, the public. Oh, oh here comes shameless. my second shameless plug <laughs> of the night. It was just because I had to walk through the, the hood to pick Actually, this they, up. They, we we get, might get our sponsorship yanked. I, I unknowingly just plugged another beer. <laughs> and if the DC bra is going to come with those angry calls. They're, We're they're sorry, but we will accept free beers if you really need to send them. Yes, no sponsorship yet, but we would love to have one. Or are they going to hold pepper hostage like they did last time? Those DC bra guys be crazy. Yeah. Big thing about Calorie guys before we move on, what everyone's been asking on social media is what are they going to do with the Boreella replacement? You know, it looks like Pavoletti, he looks like he might be on his way to Sassuolo because Pavoletti really needs to be on a team that already has an established center forward. I don't know, understand his thinking there. They're looking at Filip Djordjevic, uh, who is also known as Il Bomber, so it could slide in, slide in there as, you know, basically maybe Bomber. Slide in the DM. Slide in the DM as Il Bomber Juniore or something. that Like, he's a, he's a six on when Boreal is a 57 on the scale. Um but, I mean, he spent so much time on OTFR's bench that his legs must be asleep. And then I also saw uh, from Chelsea, uh, Loic Remy, who, again, I don't think has played since 1943. So we got a couple guys coming in. I would like to see Pavoletti there to have the Italian striker, but a couple guys around there. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll go now to Napoli, the other hot team. This is a good game, guys, on Sunday. Napoli and Atalanta. This one finished 3-1. Napoli wakes up in the second half for a come-from-behind victory over Atalanta. Atalanta's got a rough opening season here. Roma the first week, and Roma barely squeaked by with a 1-0 win. But then they got Napoli, the other hot team, uh, up at the top. And Atalanta, the goddess, they had Napoli's number last season. And this is an interesting fact, guys. Do you realize they're the only team last year that beat Napoli home and away? I thought that was interesting. Atalanta uh, doing big things. Yeah. They should have got a better draw on that coefficient. <laughs> Put that uh, on their resume. Yep. Um, no, you're right. Um, and they came out this first half, just they dominated Napoli. Napoli looking more confused than Conor McGregor attempting to, f- uh, to find a boxing stance out there. Just mm-hmm. just not good at all. Uh, Is Chris team boxing? Yes. Yeah. you got to be fully aware at this point that I am. <laughs> 15th minute, guys. The only Brian in Serie A strikes. Brian Cristante nets at home past Napoli's current goalkeeper, Pepe Reina. Napoli's Achilles heel, the corners, guys. A team of five-footers getting beat on a corner. No surprise no, there, right? No, you don't say. They had yeah. to climb blades of grass to try and, try and head them out of there. They got to start standing on each other's shoulders. Yep. Well, I remember when I, I was following this game on Goal.com because I was, I was doing some other very important-ish that kept me away from Napoli-Atalanta. And uh, I, yeah, like I, watching MotoGP. Oh, that that I mean, it wasn't on. It wasn't on being. They had the MotoGP on, so I was like, oh, I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to look for that shady stream. 
Forza sending me a, a, a push notifications, and I saw Brian Cuscante scored, and I looked, and I was like, yes, the only Brian in the Serie A draws first blood. Brian. <laughs> yeah. Brian and Patrick. So, yeah, Pepe Reina gets beat, and he's acting more like Pepe Silvia in this game, where you could practically hear the Napoli crowd cheering the, the Charlie Day thing from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He does not exist. There's no structure given to Napoli's defense here, and it could be because Pepe Reina, strongly rumored to PSG, we said that at the top, he's one week away from the transfer market ending here, but he just didn't seem to own his defense at all, and that's a kind of a characteristic for him. But fortunately, halftime arrives, and you've got the master technician, Sari, getting it together for Napoli. They bust out the Borghetti at halftime, guys. Yeah. Sari's had to wipe the fog off his glasses. Mm. Good. Yeah. Nice. 56 what, what do you minute? think, Chris? Not, not so good? Yeah. It's good, man. <laughs> 56 minute. Zielinski runs parallel to the 18 and sends a volleyed rocket to the top right corner, guys. Game of the week, goal of the week candidate here and a huge momentum swing in the game because it was awesome. Great, great goal. And the Sao Paulo went nuts for it. So five minutes later in the 61st, we got Insigne nodding a chipped ball across the net to a streaking Mertens. And there's your lead. Then you get the insurance goal in the 87th with Marco Raj, who is a fan favorite the past couple of weeks, uh, doing doing pretty well. My question for this game, guys, Napoli did well in this game for the second half and won it. But all signs are on Pepe Reina leaving here. And if that's imminent, given that there's a thank you waving post game, he kind of walks around the crowd and, and thanks the fans. Napoli players are not coming over for the traditional head padding that happens at the end of the games. If this isn't a contract tactic uh, to get more money here, Napoli's losing their goalkeeper in the final week of a transfer market after they were able to keep everybody else throughout the entire summer. They've got a lot of buzz going into the season and Europe. Why would players leave in a, a big-name team like Napoli in the Serie A? Look, I think uh, Pepe Reina towards the end of his career here, and uh, every once in a while I feel like he gets shipped off. He went to Bayern couple seasons ago or and then he comes back and uh, you know it's uh, i think he's just a professional trying to make a little extra money at the end of his career but it is really just troublesome to me because it's like come on pepe Reina, like after all these years like you have a chance to to win potentially the city with a, somewhat of an underdog and it you know if, if i was pepe Reina, the choice would be simple well pepe Reina wants the money I mean PSG, they're they're just hand, they're, they're not even counting it. They're throwing it around. They need a they need a goalkeeper. Napoli doesn't want to pay what what PSG is gonna gonna pay him. And I think that uh, Pepe Reina's paid his dues by playing an underdog teams like Napoli and not win the Scudetto. I mean he was at Liverpool forever when they were finishing seventh and eighth in the league. So maybe he wants to you know, go get himself some silverware on a team that he can contribute to and maybe get to play in some high stakes, uh, uh, you know, Europa. Sorry, a, a Champions League game. So I don't I mean, I don't blame this big, thick, bald, beautiful man to go up there and want to kick it in Paris for a little while. Now, Napoli, what are they going to do? They got to be scrambling now. I saw Mignolet is being linked to them. Mignolet is trash. He can't even dress for the Liverpool games, and he's going to come down and play for Napoli. Nah, bro, they're going to struggle with him. I saw Real Sociedad's guy, Ruli. Ruli. Being connected a lot, I honestly don't know much about him. Heard that he's good, but uh, neither of these guys are going to be a heart and soul player like Pepe Reina. But doesn't Napoli have the money? Like, 
where, where is the money? I want to know where they're putting all this money, the Champions League money, the money from the past years of selling players. Like, I don't no, know. It's that's just curious for, to me. That's for me what's what's problematic for me with this. That All right, if, if uh, this is a model, right, that we have Serie A teams that are doing potentially big things and still elite players are leaving... I'm putting this type of stuff on the league. Uh, why your goalkeeper would leave, leave in the last week for a, for another team has got to be that the conditions are better up at PSG. They've got a better chance of doing bigger, bigger things. I think this is, should be a warning sign for Syria, Tim, uh, that you got to fix it. You're losing your quality players at the last minute. And now, honestly, if he leaves, Napoli just is not the same team going into Champions League and, frankly, potentially taking the title in the league. Up next, we've got the, the game near and dear to our hearts, the game of the week, Roma and Inter. Alas, it finished 3-1 in Inter's favor. Roma puts in a solid performance, but the goalposts just get in the way, guys. What would you think of this game? Yeah, you know, the goalposts get in the way, and Mauro Icardi just really just turns up, man. It's it's unbelievable. You know, it's this guy who just comes comes in through the thick and thin and just and just gets two goals out of nowhere. Really, I think Roma was looking good throughout the entire game. And really, until Jekyll's goal, it's one-way traffic. Nangolan, who serves Jekyll on a, on a platter for his finish, he slams the post, and it was at that point that everything kind of flipped. Uh, after that, Perrotti even hit the U9 uh, in the beginning of the second half, and I have to say, guys, I jinxed the hell out of it. I walked around. I, I, I was telling everybody, oh, remember the group chat? I said that Nangolon was going to have a ballsy performance. I said that, that Jekyll was going to prove he didn't need Salar. And I said that Juan Jesus was going to have the game of his life. And what happens at the very last goal? Juan Jesus gets waxed up by Perisic. And they put in new boy Vecino to put the nail in the coffin. That is after Icardi scores two. Two goals basically the same way, receiving with the back to goal, and you can't let him turn. And he just slips the ball into the finish. I mean, he's just a, a poacher, and you can't give a poacher that kind of space. I think you're taking too much of it on your own shoulders, Marco. This is, we're Roma fans. This is what happens to us. My dad, my dad sent me the the longest text message after that game. And when I said, yeah, like they played pretty well. They played well. People here think that hitting the post is the same as taking a good shot. It's still considered a miss. It's like, oh my God, man. It's like classic Roma. Classic that's, Roma that's, fan. Honestly, this was the Roma, the, the a loss, a Roma loss of all Roma losses. That's exactly how I felt. Well, you set yourself for failure on Juan Jesus having a big game. You're talking about a left-footed center back filling in at right back. Yeah, that's not a recipe for success right there. Look, man, he played very well in the first game, and I thought he was going to just kind of come out this game and, and, and muscle people off the ball. Uh, wasn't to be, guys. I forgot the cardinal rule. Don't, don't, uh, I guess, don't put all your eggs or just don't really trust Roma when when they go up a goal so there were eggs and trust going on there yeah, we're still working on that cardinal rule yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't know i last week guys i said what i wanted to see out of this game was tactics and even if we did look a little shaky in the first couple minutes of the game i thought edf did pretty well i mean for most of the game at least into the 60s um 
I thought we dominated the game. Like we, I was like, well, Roma looks really good here. We're we're running the field well, taking good shots. They didn't go in, but I thought we were the better team for the better portion of the game. Yeah, I would echo that sentiment. I mean, for the first forty-five, we dominated. I mean, we dominated this game, and Spalletti had to make some changes at halftime. And really, basically, what beat us was an individual amazing effort by Mauro Riccardi that that brought them back in the game. I mean, think about this, guys. All the times we hit the post in the first half, if two of those, two of the three times we hit the post goes in, we're talking 3-0 at half, game over. Yep, different podcast, different sentiment. I totally agree with that, guys. And you think that we would have been able to see Spalletti turning red under that tan? Oh man, he is. He's got that down to us. He's got that down to a science. He's he's getting bronze. What's he gonna look like? He I, I'm gonna borrow his skin for my next couch after uh, after he grows a little older. He's here. already got the mad wrinkles, man. Every time he raises his eyebrows, it's like oh my god. For, that, for, it looks it looks like a thousand hashtags on his forehead. <laughs> for what it's worth, guys. Again, in the 60th minute at, with EDF on the tactics, uh, that's when we started subbing. subbing. El Shah came on in the 63rd, and that is when I kind of feel like we started, you know, breaking down and, and just things started falling apart as it typically always does for Roma. But so EDF, like just as I'm about to give him the compliment, right? I got to take it away because something didn't work. And that when we let the goals that we let in, Marco, you're right, with um, Icardi being able to turn like that, people missing their man. Good it, finishes, though. It, you know, you got to give it to him there. World class finishes. Mario Riccardi has come out and asserted himself as a top quality striker in the world. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the questions, guys. Uh, um, there's a lot to discuss here. For we'll start with Roma because uh, that just happened today. The latest news with Schick. What did you guys see today about him? Well, he's in. He's in on a loan. Yeah. Which is smart, which is really smart option to buy. You know, it's a $40 million uh, obligation deal, right? Schick is a good player, and uh, I I smell a little bit of good uh, dealsmanship here by Monchi. I think that if Schick continues on his trajectory, he's going to be worth a lot of money in a couple years. Uh, He's also potentially going to be a backup to, to Jackal. So all he has to do is have some good games coming in, kind of like he did last year, and his stock's going to keep rising. So I think this is a good piece of business by uh, by Roma. I don't, I don't know if it was you, Tad, who tweeted this out, but uh, getting that crowd uh, funder going for uh, trying to get Nangolin to give up the four. So oh, we yeah. get Schick Quattro. No, that had, that had to be new Fabio. Okay. I thought that was clever. Uh, he took the number 14, so... There's a new razor coming to town, I guess, with Schick. Um, but I gotta ask you guys: Are you excited about Schick like being here? Like, like given the past eight days of the back and forth, and there's like five teams involved with who's gonna end up getting him. Are you happy that he's gonna be wearing our colors? Well, absolutely. Here's the here's my one setback on Schick: is I thought that we really needed a right winger. Um, I mean, Defrel, who we'll talk about in a little bit, is kind of playing out of position there. And you know, if Schick is pressed into that right wing service is it more of the same another guy playing out of position and in a 4-3-3 that Rome is still looking to gel um that's my own only trepidation Monchi isn't the type of guy who's going to get super excited and and shell out this kind of dough for a guy if he doesn't think he's going to be a superstar and I think that everyone's kind of on the same page that as long as shit can stay healthy 
he's gonna he's gonna be a huge star. He's gonna be he's he's a budding superstar. And so you know to get him on the loan when we still need some funds freed up to perhaps buy another defender or, or add another piece um, before the end of the transfer window is really nice. And then my main overall thing too is we needed a big signing. We went out and bought an uber talented player, a guy that could be an absolute difference maker. The one thing we're missing this year, guys, is goals. And I think shit can ha- have a hand in creating a lot of those. Yeah, I agree. It's a, a good uh, late transfer move. Uh, I still have a lot of faith in Monchi, but um, I, the, the past drama that has gone over the past couple of days took it away from me, guys. It's shit like... Again, I, I would have been super excited in getting him if he suddenly has a chip on his shoulder that Juve doesn't want me because because of uh, you know the, the medical and all that. He still wants to go back there. He wants to go to Inter. It just it kind of took some of the shine off of getting him that I wasn't. Um, what that his preference was Inter Juve over Roma. That that it's still like I don't know. Well, because he we, plays for Roma now. I know, but we love De Rossi. We love guys who love our shirt. And this just feels like a transactional thing that we're going to have him for a year, and he still wants to go to Juve. Which, again, is a problem for me with the league. That, like, not Roma is a huge team. Inter is a huge team. You shouldn't be that upset that they're interested in you, and it's Juve or bust. Uh, it just takes some of the shine away from this signing for me. Well, if you look at it from his standpoint, he thought he was going to Juventus. I mean, his bags were packed. He's over there taking a medical. You know, he, he so for a young kid, I think it, it probably affected him. I mean, at the end of the day, the dude's a baller. He plays for Roma. Um, and I think that, you know, he's, he's, he's going to make the most of it because if he wants to go to Juventus next year, he's going to have to do at least what he did this year because his price tag, whether he likes it or not, is higher now. Yeah. Let's go to the other question. We talked about it. Defrel guys buying or selling on what we've, what we've seen from Defrel so far. Well, I, I mean, I do like what I see from Defrel because, you know, he, he's just, he puts in the work and he's got some talent too. He's got a good eye for goals. So Give Defrel a chance. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like I said earlier, he's playing out of position. We brought him on to be a backup center forward for Jekko. Now, we paid a lot for him to do that, but Jekko's also in his early 30s, and maybe Defrel can be the guy of the future who's in you know, his mid to late 20s. Yeah, I mean, it's it's too early to tell. I, I, I know we paid $23 million for him. He hasn't scored 57 goals yet, so Roma fans are going to be ticked off with him. But give him a chance. Let him play his right position. The guy's a stud. All right, guys. The other big question about this, the drama unfolding with Spalletti coming back to the Olympico just after last season with Toti. What did you guys think when Spalletti was in the building? Like we said before, man, that greasy man with the, he still has the tanning oils all over here. You can see it's just the shine is causing glare. Swashbuckler. I'm, I'm hoping to look that good when I'm however old he is, 60 or whatever. I think he's 39. He <laughs> yeah, does exactly. have a good brain between those ears, though. He, I think his game plan coming in, it got a little bit of uh, support from the post, but um, it's, for whatever reason, he's able to take the team that he has and make the most out of them. For me, it basically felt like seeing an ex turn up with a new boyfriend who I feel like I'm way cooler and handsomer and funnier and, and more intelligent than, than that person. But then he comes in and, and all, makes all my friends like him better than, than they like me, uh, waxing him out three to one. So it's definitely painful. I would have really liked to beat him down, but that's not what happened. Yeah, I... Uh Miss him as a coach, but uh, wish him well. I hope, honestly, hope someday he comes back to Rome. 
Let's go to his team, guys, with Inter. How are we feeling about Inter with their performance against Roma? Are they the better team so far from what you've seen? It's hard to tell, obviously, two weeks in, but they do have a squad. And if they do get some reinforcements in that center back, like we're hearing rumors of Mustafi potentially coming over from Arsenal, uh, a couple other rumors out there. If they do reinforce and they don't play in Europe, I'll say what, you know, they have a good chance to be top three in, in, in Italy. Yeah, again, it's too early to say which one of these teams are best. Rome is still kind of getting their sea legs with a new coach who's not as established as Spalletti, a new system that they haven't you know played in in years. Um, and again, they hit the woodwork three times. We could be having a completely different narrative if you know one or two of those goals went in. Um, but I will say about Inter, they're better than they were last year. They have the you know they they the biggest most important thing they did was get Spalletti, and they're legit this year. I think that's right, man. I I think we're on par with, with Roma and Inter. They're they're close to each other, but uh, we'll see where uh, where they end up. Let's keep going, guys, with Torino and Sassuolo. This one finished three nothing. Il, Il Gallo versus Il Gallo Sporco, the dirty rooster. Except no pretenders for King of the Coop. Tad, what do you got? Well, Sassuolo should be feeling good gun coming into this game. Uh, they did something this week that they haven't managed to do for the whole summer so far. They signed their two best players to extensions. Marco called it on Igado Sporco. If you look at Falcinelli, he's got the mane. It's slick back greasy all the time. He just looks like the dirty rooster, the bad shave, uh, you know, the, the, the five o'clock shadow coming in there. So Falcinelli, Igado Sporco. So they signed him and they signed Berardi to extensions. So they, they get to hold on to, you know, their two best players. But they take this momentum straight into a beat em down in Torino. Torino just smoked them. You know, and disappointing for the narrative that I wanted going into this. I really wanted more of a hype train about Falcinelli versus Belotti. I want the one, one that was like comparable to the... I want the hype train that just left Conor McGregor after his him taking his beating and move over to like, you know my top three niche Italian strikers in Falcinelli versus a man who will be sold north of $100 million in Belotti. No big deal. Yeah. So you, on one hand, you got Falcinelli. On the other hand, you got Belotti. But mainly, I just want to advance my favorite Curve America game and uh, basically the eventual line item in my divorce proceedings, the amount of time I sus- devote to Syria player nicknames. But just like McGregor versus Mayweather, there was an obvious clear-cut victor on one side of the other. And to be honest, just like Mayweather versus McGregor, we should have all known this going into it. Um, so they get beat down 3-0. And yeah, yeah, Nobi scored, but the whole thing was Belotti's goal. It just might be the entire goal of the season uh, with, with his volley flying through the air yeah, like he- a clean rooster. Kaka. Blasted in the net. Even made Bleacher Report. That's definitely a good sign for Syria. Got all the hens' heads turning, and all of the, <laughs> and all of the uh, the entire uh, uh, Torino team is rocking like this rooster haircut. Now they basically have like the giant mohawk, where they basically just shave off the sideburns into like a point into the back. Yaich had it. Oof, it looks disgusting. But he did play well. 
And I will say the 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 unis. That's something that I think that Chris usually likes I like to the point Torino out. Unis. Well, they both are rocking capa, so it's not just the gallo versus il gallo sporco. It's also the maroon capa jersey versus the the the, the will, green and and black. They will battle it out. Which mid table team will have a better capa jersey? Big story in this one for this guy is me. Those besides il gallo's goal is uh, Mikhailovich. He just went absolutely insane on the sidelines. Pushes two of his assistants, pushes a player, you know, upset over a wrong sub. Apparently, he wanted OB off and keep Rincon in. Uh, he may later apologize, kind of like sorta. He's like, yeah, I shouldn't have done it, but, you know, that's just me, so deal with it. But my He always is, has something going on, I feel like, with players. He's, 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 an, he's a crazy intense guy, and I just want to know, like, how do you feel about Mia pushing a bunch of people on his own team? Do you think he should be fined, suspended? What do you think the consequences should be for this? Because I'll be honest, guys, if this was the if this was an American sport, he might he'd probably be facing a ban. Yeah, we saw. I think it was this season, or maybe the end of last. Conte was doing it up with Chelsea, uh, so it does happen seemingly in soccer leagues, but. I don't know. We want to start seeing Bobby Knight out there with uh, with our soccer games. I don't know if we want people throwing chairs and throwing players. That's probably something. I don't something know, man. Speak for yourself. I love that stuff. I love the diving. I don't know. I I like a little bit too much of the of the dirty side of the game. Yeah, but he just embarrassed two of his guys on on the sideline. I think. I mean, I think you don't you don't need to affect your team by you know giving him a suspension. But I think that. Torino should give him a fine to be like, bro, that ain't cool. All right. We'll see if that does end up happening. Let's take a quick break after the top five, guys. On to the rest of the table. Up first is Fiorentina and Sampdoria. This one finished 2-1. Samp get their first win in Florence in the past 13 years as La Viola struggle. Is that true? 13? Yeah. 13 years from what I read, read uh, online, yeah. Oh God. So It's on the interwebs. Yeah, it's, it's got to be true. Uh, Simeone signing feels a little distant at this point, guys. We were all excited for uh, Fiorentina to get that, but... At this point, you're going to need something. Pioli feeling the hot seat, I think, uh, after the first two weeks. To the game itself, in the 32nd minute, Caprari strikes first. The counterattack from Fiorentina's corner, where Tomovic decided just not going to play. Really bad defending, and Caprari's there for the uh, six-yard tap-in on the rebound, and you're up 1-0 for Samp. 37th minute, just five minutes later, Tomovic just having a terrible game. Bats the ball straight down because he got beat. I mean, you could see on the replay, it, it was absolutely intentional. Qualiorella was the guy who was guarding. Qualiorella is the guy who steps up to the PK. And giggity, giggity, quags. Qualiorella gets the 2 nothing, and which is eventually the game winner. And that's it. Fortunately for Fiorentina at half, Tomovic gets subbed off, and super sub Gaspar comes on and grabs an assist. Gaspar. Pujoni's got the actual goal, and it really was a beautiful finish from the cross. So that's a little bit of a highlight for Fiorentina. Not much else to celebrate in this game. They could have tied it up at the end, but it got stopped right on the goal line. Boy, I bet Pioli wished that went in. After the game, Quag says, Sampdoria, we played good, not great. So that was kind of exactly what this game was. Just kind of, eh. 
fits fitting right for the middle of the table, guys. Not much going on. I just but. want to know if there's going to be a day when Quagliarella doesn't score. Didn't you get one in the first? Yeah, they do. The first yep. one, I got couple, a brace. Couple oh. goals. Man, this man cannot stop scoring. Definitely. Good old Quags. Definitely a machine. Caprari getting a goal in this game, too, is one that that uh, uh, Sampdoria is going to be really happy with because they, they brought him in to fill that that Luis, Luis Muriel role. So they want, I mean, they're a team that wants goals basically just out of a few people. Looks like Duvan Zapata is going to be coming in um, to, to, to refill that Schick role. I mean, guys, Fiorentina, they're just bad. Yeah, they're, they're seeming to set themselves up as the Cleveland Browns for the, that kind of a season. It's oh, just geez. over before it begins. You've got the owners, the Della Valley brothers... They've made it known that they're looking for a buyer. And so if you're a fan, why invest in this season? It just feels like a rebuilding year, if that. And they are sending a message. They're not selling season tickets. Stadio Artemio Franchi, it seats 43,000. They've only sold 17,000 tickets, which is less than they've, they've sold when Fiorentina was in the fourth division. So, they're in OTFR territory now. Yeah, it's just not a good sign. Feel for La Viola. They're one of my teams, and uh, hopefully they can turn it around. I think that's it, guys. Let's keep going. We got Benevento and Bologna. This one finished 1-0. Bologna's favor. Three points for the Rosso Blue against the Squadra Campania. Getting Marco hyped. Guys, you know, the Squadra Campania plays in a very cool stadium. Stadio Ciro Vigorito. And that's even kind of weird for me to say. I don't know. I don't know why it's so hard. Um, it kind of looks like a La Liga stadiums, but guys, new point of view for me on this one is stadiums should actually devolve to look like some of these smaller stadiums because I just love the atmosphere and a lot of the settings, even like the Spall Stadium with the trees up in the background, like the the Genoa Stadium, just just love these like smaller stadiums a lot. Yeah, when you see these newly promoted teams in their stadium, you look at them like you play in a video game, and you're, and you're like, you, there's the new racetrack, and you want to see what the background is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but did anybody see Destro's miss in the first half, guys? This was. Oh man, it was it was every anything that the pod could have asked for. He steals the ball from the center back Costa, pump fakes the the goalie all alone in the 18 and just the ball trickles out wide. His shirt is already halfway up his back. Man, Destro is one of those players that he'll give you some great goals but absolutely disappears throughout the season. Luckily for him, he's rocking that super fresh Bologna jersey. Guys, I can't say enough about Bologna and their jerseys. Maybe it's because I lived there for four years. Have I told you? Yeah, I think you did, and I still don't believe you. I think the only thing that <laughs> I, I think the only thing Bologna's missing on their jersey is a sponsorship. Maybe a DC Brow logo on that jersey. Is it that time of the pod? The third shameless plug for the local beer of the night. Donza scores in the second half of, off a counterattack. It's a wild run with a little nutmeg on the center back, and the Ghanaian is putting that one in the time capsule. Hopefully it happens again for him, especially because I'm a huge Bologna fan. Mirante makes some wild saves towards the end of the game, and it's the mighty VAR. Actually, Italian word of the week, guys. VAR is actually VAR in Italian. And he takes away the last-minute Benevento finish, which was actually offsides. So takeaways from this game, Verdi, beast for Bologna. I could see him going to a better squad, maybe even halfway through the season. Miranta saves Bologna with some crazy saves. And Ciceretti, a.k.a. Benicula, he's a young prospect. Keep our 
to keep our eyes on. Yeah, Chicharetti is definitely one we're going to be following all season. He plays with such aggressiveness. He seems, you know, just straight up out the hood. You know, plays with a huge chip on his shoulder, boatloads of tattoo, golden mane. One thing we got to point out, guys, is the guy who scored the goal's name is Godfred Donsa, and that is don't see him make fun of my name. <laughs> Gold. Gold like Chicharetti's hair. <laughs> All right. Bologna takes the goal in this game. one nothing over Benevento. All right, guys, it's your favorite time. Richard Whittle's The Danger Zone. The Danger Zone. Milosevic Savic scores in the last minute of the game to give them OTFR the victory. Guys, I hope we talk about OTFR every week in the danger zone. This seems like a, just a really fitting place. It feels like feels like a warm blanket and a good book just on like, a rainy day. Just like their jerseys, they're in the deep blue right now. This game, I mean, OTFR relies on their stars to win this game. Uh, Immobile picks up the, the opening goal in the 12th minute, and it's matched by Pucciarelli in the 34th. So we have a 1-1 game at half, um, but... It all goes down to the end of it, where Mihinkovic Stavich scores the game winner in the 90th minute. Guys, the Kievo team is starting to look like the team that we hyped last year. I mean, Lucas Castro had a big game for him. Walter Birsa had a decent game for him. I love food, man. Bobby English had an assist in this one. The Pooch Pucciarelli, uh, you know, scored the goal for them, but it wasn't enough for OTFR. Our big hype train guy from the beginning of the season, Mihailovic Savage, scores the game. And the whole story of this one to me, guys, is Simone Inzaghi's celebration for this one. Unlike Mihailovic, he did not go up and push his players in anger. He went up full on form tackled uh, Mihailovic Savage and basically licked his face like a, like a brand new puppy. Knocked him down, went absolutely crazy. OTF Par pulls this one out 2-1. And uh, has sh- is showing signs immediately uh, of the team that won the uh, 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 the Supercopa and finished fifth in, in Italy last year. OTFR guys, they knocked off the cobwebs from that lackluster opening game against Spa. Must be nice playing Kievo in an almost empty stadium. <laughs> so OTFR grabs the last three points, but the big thing is what is Kieta Balda's future? It's, it's apparently still up in the air. Tottenham is out of the KB game. Um, you know, we're basically getting all of our information from the orange-haired Albanian and pirate ship latrine namesake, Igli Tare. Um, he says Inter's too far away from signing him. Uh, you guys seen this guy, Igli Tare? I saw his name. I looked him up, man. He, he's, a, he's a ginger. He looks like looks like if Ray Donovan was based on an actual person, <laughs> like what Ray Donovan would look like in real person, just ginger and pale. Um <laughs> Radio Kiss Kiss Sinopoli. Uh, you know, Radio Kiss Kiss reporting on, on the Kieta Balda thing. It's usually a, the outlet where I get my stock tips. That sounds you know. pretty pretty uh, reasonable. Reliable source, for my, sure. Yeah, I get my stock tips and my alien touchdown sites reportings and my, you know, like my book recommendations from them. Um, but they said that Napoli have already reached an agreement with Kieta Balda. And one thing I've learned about Italian journalism is that Radio Kiss Kiss take it to the bank. They know what they're talking about. I mean, the closest connection from these days seems to be Monaco, um, which seems likely to me. He's not going to stay at OTFR, and Mbappe is just being sold to PSG, you know, for uh, 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 for enough money to pay Conor McGregor to fight. So yeah, it seems most likely to me that Kate Tabal is going to end up at Monaco. 
But good news for OTFR is they have Paletta. Seems like it's a done deal coming in. Paletta in an OTFR uniform. How do you feel about that? Get the two pays out, man. Even though they got that fresh jersey, they're going to have to do something about that hair. Well, uh, good thing he uh, is already bald because when he plays Roma in the Stadio Olimpico for the Derby, they're going to be waxing everybody's hair off. <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, smooth behinds in, in this league this year. All right. Up next, we've got Crotone and Hellas. This one finished 0-0, but we've got a Calabrese celebration. The first points of the season for Crouton Nation as Crotone crap out a draw versus newly promoted Hellas. Crotone got smacked by Milan last week, 3-0, but with four, that was with a four-minute red card in it, so it's tough to judge my, my croutons uh, just on that. But this game, it just shows that we're starting off just like they did last season, figuring out how to scrape points out of 38 weeks. Crotone's Ceccherini out for this one because of the Milan red card, and then Hellas' benches, uh, one of their players who doesn't get in is Pazzini. Both teams... Doing their best to make an uninteresting game even more uninteresting. Unbelievable that Pazzini doesn't come in. Even the first game against Napoli, he really made the difference. You know, when he comes in, he even scored a goal and then uh, made a gesture to the bench. I wonder if that kind of brought him down a couple pegs uh, in the coach's eyes. But Pazzini, you know, it's Elas. You're not uh, Milan, so why are you not playing your star player? Yeah, I was I was looking for the reason for that. If there's an ill will with the coach, maybe it was late for a meeting or something, but didn't see anything. So maybe it'll come out this week. Regardless, he didn't start. He did come in later in the game. Crotone had some chances, even had a goal disallowed in this one, and that's how it finished. So I saw on uh, social media Kobe Bryant dropping Mamba challenges out there on social media. Maybe we need to send one to Crotone here. Stay up in the Serie A. Please do that, Kobe. Keep rolling, guys, to the last game of week two. We've got Spall and Udinese. This one finished 3-2. Spall snags their first win against Le Zebrete in the last minute. Yeah, what a wild result, guys. This was the runner-up of the game of the week, in my opinion. Attention, there has been a Sasquatch spotting. No, not in this room right now. Spall's captain, Mora, is straight out the Jack Link's beef jerky <laughs> commercial. And... Always love getting a laugh out of you, Chris. That's right. Late night here. I love it when you bring in the relevant stuff. Spall gets off to a fast start when the bomber himself nets on his debut. And really, guys, are there any superlatives for Marco Borriello? Tad, I think you may have a few, but 12 teams that the man has scored for now? Yeah, at this point, he doesn't even know what jersey to give the girl who's uh, sneaking out of his uh, out of his his apartment in the morning, holding on to her high heels. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, if people have collections of jersey, Borrello's by himself, just unbelievable. Twelve teams. Actually, I think he just gives one of the team he played for for the twelve girls that stayed over the night before. <laughs> Spall goes up two nothing in the second half, guys. After the VAR gives back a goal for the team. And uh, then after it gets called off, I mean, wild stuff. Spall is cruising with their experienced trident of Borello, Boriello, Floccari, and Viviani. Not bad for a team that's just newly promoted. And they're creating chances until new boy, Nuntik. Bram Nuntik. Bram. Bram. Is it, yes, is, what's the name of the guy from Game of Thrones? Bran? Bran Stark, yeah. But but Bram Nuntik is, is uh, I think he's Dracula's kid's tutor. There you go. And he scores a monster header, followed by a PK by the one and only HTCT. 
Guys, but where the mighty VAR shows no favorites this time, Lasagna almost breaks his leg in the box. That would have been truly devastating for the pod. May have actually had to cancel the pod in yeah. wake. And we almost did when he went down to Serie B. And uh, the ref somehow doesn't see it. Uh, that's when the VAR steps in and, 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 and straightens things out. Guys, but Rizzo, imagine this. He comes in three minutes left in the game. Uh, and then he just, first time he gets on the ball, just curls one back post, wins the game. The fans are going crazy. And it's Spall with their jerseys looking awfully familiar, looking like the Delfini's jerseys from last year's Piscata, a.k.a. another one of my teams. Obviously, I'm very biased. I think Spall is going to do huge things this year. Yeah, well, they have four points, man. Spall's staying up. They have more points than Roma right now. Yeah, seriously. All right, that does it for week two. Only 36 more to go now, but uh, pretty good week of games. We do have the international break coming up uh, for this weekend. Uh, we got some big ones for uh, the one the teams we're uh, most interested in. We've got Italy and Spain. That's an important World Cup qualifier. And, guys, I'm mentioning U.S. Costa Rica because I get to go to that game. That's up at Red Bull Arena up in the great state of New Jersey. Looking you forward to say. sitting up with the American Outlaws for that one. So uh, hoping for three points out of both of those games uh, for, for the teams we care about. want to remind everybody that we've got social media. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can send us emails at fabioacurveamerica.com. And so please follow us on our social media accounts, guys. Un- Rate and comment, guys. All right. So until week three is in the books, Ragazzi, we say... Arrivederci. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.